Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now one greater than Solomon is here. Okay. Well, that particular point that uh, was being made at that time was being made by a group of individuals who were representatives of the religious community and the religious age at that time that claimed to have known God. Maybe I should, before I start this, I should make a couple of personal remarks uh, because I told Bonnie this morning that I would uh, offer our thanksgiving to all of you for all the care, concern, and the prayers that you've offered on our behalf. Uh, to give you some information, Bonnie has been having what is called syncope, which means that she faints. And uh, I'm supposed to be there a catcher. And somehow during this period of time, it just worked out where I developed some problems that demanded immediate attention, which was the replacement of a heart valve. And I have a... Uh, a, um, a valve that's called a tissue valve. Yes, it is a pig's valve. Anyway, they did not do the open heart on me. Well, they did the open heart surgery, but they didn't split my breastbone. They spread my ribs and opened me up, and then, of course, I'm very sore. Bonnie is, Bonnie is progressing. She's doing well. Our children stepped in. Our oldest girl came up from Arizona and stayed with us and became the new sheriff in town <laughs> so that she told us exactly what we had to do and could do and couldn't do, uh, supposedly from what she understood the doctors to say. And then after she left, our son, Bill, came. So we really haven't had any physical needs, but we have needed your prayers, and we have appreciated your prayers and your concern. And now we're both on the mend, and Bonnie is work, they're working it out, trying to figure out why she's having a great fluctuation in, uh, in uh, her blood pressure. And I'm getting stronger. So let's go back to what we want to talk about. I wanted to be here today because I feel like it's necessary that we stay together as a group and that we make sure that we are stable and firm and dependable, that we are here. That's why I wanted to be here with you. I didn't want to take any more time off. I wanted to make sure that we could be together with you today and reassure you that we are going to remain stable and constant and consistent here and urge other people to come and join with us. Let's get back to the text. The thing that really was working on me as I read this text and thought about it was the fact that these folks were actually looking for the wrong thing. When they came to Jesus, they said, show us a sign. They, they did this several times. Show us something. Show us a sign. They were, they were missing the mark badly. And we miss the mark badly today in the same way because we're asking God for something that really is of no value or benefit to us. Now, they did not, the, the main problem was, these people did not know God. They didn't know Him. They thought they knew Him. They were convinced they knew Him. They thought they knew all about Him. And they thought they knew what He wanted and did not want, but they really didn't know Him. It's like someone is absent from our life for 50 or 60 years, and then they show up. And the first question you ask is, of course, where you've been, but basically the first question that comes to your mind is, what kind of person are you? 
Who are you? Like It's like an absent father that fathers a child and then disappears and 50 years later shows up and the kid has a reunion and wants to know all about him. What kind of person are you? And that was the issue, really. And the issue was, what kind of character and person is God? They thought they knew, didn't they? And sometimes we think we know. Matter of fact, we second-guess Him a lot. If God is, then why is He doing this? If God is, then what, what, what about this? The point is, we have no confidence in the character of God, of who He is. They thought they knew Him. In John 5, 37, Jesus said, The Father Himself, which has sent Me, has borne witness of Me, you have neither heard his voice nor at any time seen his shape. Well, they've had the law, didn't they? And you remember, they went up with Moses on Mount Sinai and Moses went up on the mountain to get, get the law. They could hear a voice, couldn't they? And when Moses came down, he was, he was in, in the brilliance and pre, in the presence of God and his brilliance so much so that Moses' face was shining when he came down off the mountain to talk to them. And he had the words, and they heard the words, but for some reason they didn't get it. They didn't get who was speaking those words. You, you follow me? Let's see if we can stay close on this one. In John eight fifty four, Jesus said, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honors me, of whom you say that He is your God. He's saying, you're claiming He's your God. What He's going to tell them is, you don't even know Him. Now, of all people, they read the law and the prophets and the Psalms every week. And they all assembled in the synagogues and read it and read it and read it. And Jesus said, and yet you don't know Him. Now, what happened? He said, you have not known Him. He said, but I know Him. Okay, here's someone who knows him. Therefore, here's someone who can tell me about him. Right? He's the one that can give me that information. They didn't want that information, did they? Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 13, and it's taken from the book of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, he said, You've shut your eyes, closed your eyes, and stopped your ears. You will not see and you will not hear. And you've hardened your heart. They wouldn't see and they wouldn't... Now what are you saying? They wouldn't see and hear what? They wouldn't see and hear the law. They saw and heard the law all the time. The prophets, they heard and saw the prophets all the time. What were they not seeing? My friend, they were not seeing God. They weren't seeing God. They were not seeing the character of God. They were not seeing who He was and who He is. That's what they were not seeing. Now, they didn't, uh, they didn't think they were ignorant of this. But as a matter of fact, Paul said in Romans chapter 2, verse 17, he said, You are those who say you know the law and God. He said, but you don't. And then he, he detailed the fact that they didn't know Him because they weren't even following Him. But, but it's, isn't that strange? That they could know all about Him, all about the things written in the Scriptures, but they didn't know Him. They didn't know who He was. Had no idea who He was. They thought, as a matter of fact, that they thought that uh, they were so close to Him that, that Abraham was the one who was a friend of God and that Abraham was their father and therefore they knew Abraham and Abraham could tell them all about God, but it says they didn't even know Abraham. They said Abraham was their father. He said, uh, verse John chapter 5, verse 45 says, Do not think that I will accuse you of the father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. Now that was Moses. The same thing with Abraham in John chapter 8, as a matter of fact. He had told them that before Abraham was, he said, I am. He knew Abraham better than they did. And that they claimed Abraham as their father. Abraham revealed the Father, but at the same time, they did not, for some reason, they, they did not 
assimilate the knowledge and the information they needed to, to make them acquainted with God, to acquaint them. They knew the commandments. They could recite the commandments. They broke them down in over 600 different commandments in the law, and they still do that. They knew that. They knew the ordinances. They knew all that Leviticus, in the book of Leviticus, required of them, and all the sacrifices, and the way the priest was supposed to dress, and, and the way that he was supposed to behave himself when he went to the temple. They knew all of that, but they didn't know God. And as a matter of fact, there's a couple of texts in the New Testament that, that's uh, very interesting along this line about this. And it says in John chapter 1, verse 18, it says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. You cannot see God until you see Jesus. Isn't that interesting? You cannot know God unless you know Jesus. Now that's that's going to be very that that is very important. John chapter five verse nineteen. Jesus said, "Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He sees the Father do. For what things soever He does, these also does the Son likewise. So the Father is doing what the Son, or the Son is doing what the Father would do." We, we have to think. We have to think broadly along this line. We have to think big. People today will be talking about if there is a God, why is He letting this happen? And so we have these questions that pop up. If there is a God, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Something else. So all of a sudden, we're judging God on the basis of our own personal judgment and wisdom. It's as if. If I were God, I would do it differently. That gets us beyond the purview of the fact that we have faith in God that whatever He did and whatever He does is consistent with His character. Now watch this because we have to look at His character. Jesus Christ exemplifies His character. So whatever God does today or back then has to be consistent with the character of Jesus. That's important. Jesus said, you don't know him, I know him, I will reveal him. In John chapter is it John chapter 1 at verse 18, he said he came to declare him. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So if I want to know something about God, I have to know something about Jesus. That's the point. If I want to know why God is doing what He's doing today, I have to look at the character of Jesus and say, that's because He is of this nature. That's why He's doing it. I don't, I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I do know that these underlying principles that Jesus exemplified determine what God is doing today and what He did then, even before Jesus came. Okay. Those who, de- who demanded a sign didn't know God. Now, we have, to, we have to understand that. One thing they did know, they knew what the text was saying. Okay. They, they knew what the law was saying. They knew the law. They knew the law inside and out. But for some reason, they didn't pick up on the fact that God is merciful. They didn't pick up on it. They didn't, didn't sink in on it. He's merciful. Matter of fact, as you read, if you read the prophets and if you read the book of Psalms, this idea of mercy just repeats itself over and over again. God is merciful. He is, his mercy is great under the heavens, that the psalmist said in Psalm 57 verse 10. And this is repeated. God is full of mercy, full of mercy and grace. In Psalms chapter 18 at verse 19, it says, Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth go before thy face. So when we look at the nature and the character of God, we have to think in terms of He's merciful. So whatever is happening in your life and in the world is based upon that integral part of the fact that God is merciful. Whatever He's working out is governed by that principle. That is His character. And as a matter of fact, James says in James 1.18, 
In him there is no variableness. He doesn't change. He's not going to alter that. Now obviously, we're told that, uh, for instance, in, I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2 at verse 18, it says that eyes not seen nor ear heard, neither enter into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. So there's a, there's a difference. The way God will handle people in the world, those who love Him, those who don't love Him. He has prepared good things for those who love Him. He has not prepared good things for those who don't love Him. But He's merciful. Keep that in mind. Somehow this thing will work out. We have to have that confidence in God when we look at Jesus Christ and see Him and His character, we know that that's the basis upon which our Father functions. That's what He told Jesus to tell us. That's why He sent Him here. He showed mankind, He showed mankind who the Father was. John 14, verse 8 and 9. Remember the, the question that was asked? Now it all came down to this. First of all, they were coming to Jesus and saying, show us something, show us, show us, show me, show me a miracle, show me something that, that tells me that you are who you are. They were missing the point. Jesus didn't come down here to show them who, that he has power and so forth. Jesus came to this earth to show us what his Father looks like. If we miss that point, we miss it all. We, we don't get it. If we miss that, we don't get it at all. This says, Jesus said unto him when Philip said, Show us the Father that suffices us. Well, what do you want to know? What do you mean, show us the Father? When Jesus walked this earth, everything he did, and what we do is we go to the New Testament, we read everything that he did, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We read about his life. We read about how he healed everyone that was brought to him, compassionate. We read about how he cast out the devils the enemy. We read about how he raised the dead. We read about all the good things and the temper of our Lord Jesus Christ shines through everything. We see him. What we are seeing is his father. We're seeing his father. That's what he said. He said, have I been with you so long, Philip, that you haven't seen me? You don't know me? Now, what, I, what I'm getting at more than anything else right now is that Jesus was a stable individual. He was consistently who he was. He did not alter. He did not vary. When he came to this earth, he did not need to show us who he was because he was who he was without our, our ever seeing it. You follow what I'm saying? He didn't have to do what he did. When I look at him and I say, well, Jesus never never used a curse word. He didn't have to show me that. I would know that because I know his character, if I know his character. But for some reason, I didn't know that. You, you see what I'm saying? You follow what I'm saying? Jesus did not di dip into sin. Why didn't he do that? Because of his character, of who he is. Jesus did not malign anyone, did not misrepresent anyone, did not chide anyone, did not hate anyone. Why? To show me the, who He was? No. Because that's who He is. That's His character. And that character, my friends, is the character of the Father. So if we're going to know the Father, we have to get to know the Son. Everybody agree? That's obvious, I think. That's so obvious. He demonstrated the underlying character of his father. It's, an, it's important that character is seen. It is absolutely important. It was necessary for Jesus to stand on this earth and demonstrate his character. Because he was demonstrating the character of the father. And of course, the, a great part of that was the fact that God loves us. That His character is love. So whatever God does, it is inspired by the concept of love. Because that's what Jesus demonstrated. God is love. Now, 
Now let's get down to some specifics. Why are we here today? Why are you here today? I want to tell you why. I know why you're here. You're here because of your character. You're here because you're stable. You're here because you're dependable. You're here because you know other people depend upon you to be steady, to be firm, to be reliable. That's why you're here. That's why I wanted to be here. So you would know, and others would know, we're here. And we're here to stay. We're here because we want to be reliable. Because we want to be as reliable as our Father. We don't want to be variable. And we don't want any shadow of turning. We don't want to say, well, if we have something better we want to do on Sunday, we'll do that. No, we're here because we want, because we are who we are, really. Isn't that correct? We are who we are. Because I care about you. And you care about me. We care about others. But basically, it becomes a matter of character. Who we are. When the early church started, and it started with 3,000 people baptized, when it started, these folks just hung together. They stayed together. You know that? In the, in the, in the city of Jerusalem, 3,000 people obeyed the gospel, and they all had to eat. They were all together. They were rejoicing. They were happy. Let's, let's read it in Acts chapter 2 at verse 44. It says, All that believed were together. They were together. They weren't scattered all over the hills and valleys. They were together. And they had all things common. But what they were doing was sharing their lives. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men so every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as were being saved. Now they stuck together. Why? It was their character. That's why. Now as, as the time went, they had to go home, had to go to their own places, but they also knew that they had to help each other make sure that they stayed firm and, and faithful to God. So they met. They started meeting. They started meeting on the first day of the week, on Sunday. Paul knew they were going to meet there. Did you ever wonder about that? In Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says, Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached to them. He, would, he waited eight days because he got in late, I guess, in Troy on a ship. But he knew that the church was going to come together to have a meal, to break bread. And during that meal, of course, they remembered Jesus Christ, their Savior. But Paul knew they were going to be there. Why? He knew their character. He knew they were stable. He knew they were steady. He knew they were reliable. He knew that they were, according to Hebrews 10.25, exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. That they were edifying each other. That they wanted to be there because when their brother or sister in Christ looked around, they could see them there. There they are. We're together. And they had a meal. They took care of each other because at that time, there were people poor enough that they didn't have enough to eat during the week. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it talks about when you come together to take the Lord's Supper, some of them were not doing it. Some of them were eating what they were bringing. Instead of bringing the food for other people to eat, some of them got this thing backwards. And so Paul was straightening them out about it. But they came together because, and they came together on Sunday night. They had to come together on Sunday night because it wasn't a day off. Sunday was not a day off then. It was a work day, first day of the week. They came together after the chores were done and their masters were put up and taken care of. And so the slaves and servants, and they didn't have anything to bring to the supper, but they didn't have anything to eat either. So they would come, but those who had the wherewithal to do so, who had the time and the, and the resources, they would bring the food. But instead of bringing it for those who were hungry, they started eating it themselves. And Paul said, you've got houses to eat and drink in. Go with there. You don't have to do that. Bring it. This is for these people. But the point is, they were there. And they were taking care of each other. And they were making sure that they were solid and dependable. And that others could rely on them. Caring for one another was woven into their character. Believers help one another. And, and I want to tell you this. As I look out over this audience, I see 
people who are steady. You are going to be here when nobody else will. You're going to be here when everybody else would like to go somewhere on Sunday because it's a day off and have fun. You'll be here. You'll be here not only because you know that's what the Bible teaches. You know that. You know that's the law. That's the law. The law says what? It doesn't tell you to come together. The law doesn't say you must come together on the first day of the week. But you're here because that's what happened. That's what the church did. And that's what you think should be done because that's how you come together to edify one another. You'll be here because of that. And you'll, you'll be here and somebody can reach out on the aisle next to you and touch you and say, they're here. You'll get the confidence and the courage to continue on. People will see you standing tall, see you standing firm. I believe that's what Paul was, or what John was talking about in the book of Revelation chapter 3 when he talked about the church at Philadelphia and he said some of you will be pillars in the church of the Lord. Pillars. Those who hold everything up. People who hold it up. You know, I know when I come here to assemble, I know I have great confidence I know who will be here and who won't. And you do too. And you will know whether you'll be here or not. That's why we gather because it's our character. Now, the last thing I want to say is this. In the book of Matthew chapter 25, beginning verse 31, there's a judgment scene set. And in that judgment scene, the, uh, the writer, or Jesus is saying, that uh, some, some will, uh, will visit me. I, I was sick and in prison. You came visited me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. And they said, when did we see that? And he said, when you did it to one of these least of the little ones. When you did it to my brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's what he's saying. To those who, who he had, who had uh, purchased with his blood. He said, because you did it to them. Now, the reason why you help someone who is sick. Now, James said it this way, and sometimes we, we revert back to that and we shouldn't. James said, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Faith without works is dead, he said. So he talks about the fact of the demonstration of faith. That's not what we're talking about. This text is talking about the demonstration of character, of character. These people Jesus was talking about would see someone hungry and would feed them. Not because they were afraid they would go to hell if they didn't. They fed them because that's who they are. They visited them in prison because that's who they are. That's their character. They clothed the naked because that's who they are. Right? That's what we're talking about. We know God because we know who He is. He is who we know Him to be because we know who Jesus is and we know His character. And we know the character of those who commit their lives to Jesus Christ. We know the words and they heard the words but for some reason they didn't get it. They didn't get who was speaking those words? You, you follow me? Let's see if we can stay close on this one. In John 8, 54, Jesus said, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honors me, of whom you say that He is your God. He's saying, you're claiming He's your God. What He's going to tell them is, you don't even know Him. Now, of all people, they read the law and the prophets and the Psalms every week. And they all assembled in the synagogues and read it and read it and read it. And Jesus said, and yet you don't know him. Now what happened? He said, you have not known him. He said, but I know him. Okay. Here's someone who knows him. Therefore, here's someone who can tell me about him. Right? He's the one that can give me that information. They didn't want that information. <laughs> Did they? Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 13 
And it's taken from the book of, of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. He said, you have shut your eyes, closed your eyes, and stopped your ears. You will not see and you will not hear. And you've hardened your heart. They wouldn't see and they wouldn't... Now, what are you saying? They wouldn't see and hear what? They wouldn't see and hear the law. They saw and heard the law all the time. The prophets, they heard and saw the prophets all the time. What were they not seeing? My friend, they were not seeing God. They weren't seeing God. They were not seeing the character of God. They were not seeing who He was and who He is. That's what they were not seeing. Now, they didn't, uh, they didn't think they were ignorant of this. But as a matter of fact, Paul said in Romans chapter 2, verse 17, he said, You are those who say you know the law and God. He said, but you don't. And then he, he detailed the fact that they didn't know him because they weren't even following him. But, but it's, isn't that strange that they could know all about him, all about the things written in the scriptures, but they didn't know him. They didn't know who he was. Had no idea who he was. They thought, as a matter of fact, that they thought that uh, they were so close to him that, that Abraham was the one who was a friend of God and that Abraham was their father and therefore... They knew Abraham, and Abraham could tell them all about God, but it says they didn't even know Abraham. They said Abraham was their father. He said, uh, verse John chapter 5, verse 45, says, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. Now that was Moses. The same thing with Abraham in John chapter 8, as a matter of fact. He had told them that before Abraham was, he said, I am. He knew Abraham better than they did. And that they claimed Abraham as their father. Abraham revealed the father, but at the same time, they did not, for some reason, they, they did not assimilate the knowledge and the information they needed to, to make them acquainted with God. To acquaint them. They knew the commandments. They could recite the commandments. They broke them down in over 600 different commandments in the law. And they still do that. They knew that. They knew the ordinances. They knew all that Leviticus, in the book of Leviticus, required of them. And all the sacrifices and the way the priest was supposed to dress. And, and the way that he was supposed to behave himself when he went to the temple. They knew all of that. But they didn't know God. And as a matter of fact. But there's a couple of texts in the New Testament that, that's uh, very interesting along this line about this. And it says in John chapter 1, verse 18, it says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. You cannot see God until you see Jesus. Isn't that interesting? You cannot know God lest you know Jesus. Now that's that's going to be very that that is very important. John chapter five verse nineteen. Jesus said, "Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He sees the Father do. For what things soever He does, these also does the Son likewise. So the Father is doing what the Son, or the Son is doing what the Father would do. We we have to think we have to think broadly along this line." We have to think big. People today will be talking about if there is a God, why is He letting this happen? And so we have these questions that pop up. If there is a God, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Something else. So all of a sudden we're judging God on the basis of our own personal judgment and wisdom. It's as if if I were God, I would do it differently. That gets us beyond the purview of the fact that we have faith in God that whatever He did and whatever He does is consistent with His character. Now watch this because we have to look at His character. Jesus Christ exemplifies His character. So whatever God does today or back then has to be consistent with the character of Jesus. That's important. Jesus said, you don't know Him, I know Him, I will reveal Him. 
In John chapter, is it John chapter 1 at verse 18, he said he came to declare him. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So if I want to know something about God, I have to know something about Jesus. That's the point. If I want to know why God is doing what he's doing today, I have to look at the character of Jesus and say, that's because he is of this nature. That's why he's doing it. Don't, I don't know how it's all going to work out. But I do know that these underlying principles that Jesus exemplified determine what God is doing today and what he did then, even before Jesus came. Okay. Those who, de who demanded a sign didn't know God. Now, we have to, we have to understand that. One thing they did know, they knew what the text was saying. Okay. They, they knew what the law was saying. They knew the law. They knew the law inside and out. But for some reason, they didn't pick up on the fact that God is merciful. They didn't pick up on it. They didn't, didn't sink in on him. He's merciful. Matter of fact, as you read, if you read the prophets and if you read the book of Psalms, this idea of mercy just repeats itself over and over again. God is merciful. He is, his mercy is great unto the heavens, that the psalmist said in Psalm 57, verse 10. And this is repeated. God is full of mercy, full of mercy and grace. In Psalms chapter 18, at verse 19, it says, Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth go before thy face. So when we look at the nature and the character of God, we have to think in terms of He's merciful. So whatever is happening in your life and in the world is based upon that integral part of the fact that God is merciful. Whatever He's working out is governed by that principle. That is His character. And as a matter of fact, James says in James 1.18, in Him there is no variableness. He doesn't change. He's not going to alter that. Now, obviously, we're told that, uh, in, in, for instance, in I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 18, it says that eyes not seen nor ear heard, neither enter into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. So there's a, there's a difference. The way God will handle people in the world, those who love Him, those who don't love Him. He has prepared good things for those who love Him. He has not prepared good things for those who don't love Him. But He's merciful. Keep that in mind. Somehow this thing will work out. We have to have that confidence in God. When we look at Jesus Christ and see Him and His character, we know that that's the basis upon which our Father functions. That's what He told Jesus to tell us. That's why He sent Him here. He showed mankind... He showed mankind who the Father was. John 14, verse 8 and 9. Remember the, the question that was asked? Now, it all came down to this. First of all, they were coming to Jesus and saying, show us something, show us, show us. Show me, show me a miracle. Show me something that, that tells me that you are who you are. They were missing the point. Jesus didn't come down here to show them who that he has power and so forth. Jesus came to this earth to show us what his father looks like. If we miss that point, we miss it all. We, we don't get it. If we miss that, we don't get it at all. This says, Jesus said unto him when Philip said, show us the father that suffices us. Well, what do you want to know? What do you mean show us the father? When Jesus walked this earth, everything he did, and what we do is we go to the New Testament, we read everything that he did, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We read about his, law, his life. We read about how he healed everyone that was brought to him, compassionate. We, we read about how he cast out the devils, the enemy. We read about how he raised the dead. We read about all the good things, and the temper of our Lord Jesus Christ shines through everything. We see him. What we are seeing is his father. We're seeing his father. That's what he said. He said, have I been with you so long, Philip, 
that you haven't seen me? You don't know me? Now, what, I, what I'm getting at more than anything else right now is that Jesus was a stable individual. He was consistently who he was. He did not alter. He did not vary. When he came to this earth, he did not need to show us who he was because he was who he was without our, our ever seeing it. You follow what I'm saying? He didn't have to do what he did. When I look at him and I say, well, Jesus never, never used a curse word, he didn't have to show me that. I would know that because I know his character, if I know his character. But for some reason, I didn't know that. You, you see what I'm saying? You follow what I'm saying? Jesus did not dip into sin. Why didn't he do that? Because of his character, of who he is. Jesus did not malign anyone, did not misrepresent anyone, did not chide anyone, did not hate anyone. Why? To show me who he was? No. Because that's who he is. That's his character. And that character, my friends, is the character of the Father. So if we're going to know the Father, we have to get to know the Son. Everybody agree? That's obvious, I think. That's so obvious. He demonstrated the underlying character of His Father. It's it's important that character is seen. It is absolutely important. It was necessary for Jesus to stand on this earth and demonstrate His character. Because He was demonstrating the character of the Father. And of course, a great part of that was the fact that God loves us. That His character is love. So whatever God does, it is inspired by the concept of love. Because that's what Jesus demonstrated. God is love. Now, now let's get down to some specifics. Why are we here today? Why are you here today? I want to tell you why. I know why you're here. You're here because of your character. You're here because you're stable. You're here because you're dependable. You're here because you know other people depend upon you to be steady, to be firm, to be reliable. That's why you're here. That's why I wanted to be here. So you would know, and others would know, we're here. And we're here to stay. We're here because we want to be reliable. Because we want to be as reliable as our Father. We don't want to be variable. And we don't want any shadow of turning. We don't want to say, well, if we have something better we want to do on Sunday, we'll do that. No. We're here because we want, because we are who we are. Really. Isn't that correct? We are who we are. Because I care about you. And you care about me. We care about others. But basically, it becomes a matter of character, who we are. When the early church started, and it started with 3,000 people baptized, when it started, these folks just hung together. They stayed together. You know that? In the, in the, in the city of Jerusalem, 3,000 people obeyed the gospel, and they all had to eat. They were all together. They were rejoicing. They were happy. Let's, let's read it in Acts chapter 2 at verse 44. It says, All that believed were together. They were together. They weren't scattered all over the hills and valleys. They were together. And they had all things common. But what they were doing was sharing their lives. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men so every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as were being saved. Now they stuck together. Why? It was their character. That's why. Now, as, as the time went, they had to go home, had to go to their own places, but they also knew that they had to help each other make sure that they stayed firm and, and faithful to God. So they met. They started meeting. They started meeting on the first day of the week, on Sunday. Paul knew they were going to meet there. Did you ever wonder about that? In Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says, Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, 
Paul preached to them. He, would, he waited eight days because he got in late, I guess, in Troy on a ship. But he knew that the church was going to come together to have a meal, to break bread. And during that meal, of course, they remembered Jesus Christ, their Savior. But Paul knew they were going to be there. Why? He knew their character. He knew they were stable. He knew they were steady. He knew they were reliable. He knew that they were, according to Hebrews 10.25, exhorting one another so much the more as you see, see the day approaching. That they were edifying each other. That they wanted to be there because when their brother or sister in Christ looked around, they could see them there. There they are. We're together. And they had a meal. They took care of each other because at that time, there were people poor enough that they didn't have enough to eat during the week. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it talks about when you come together to take the Lord's Supper, some of them were not doing it. Some of them were eating what they were bringing. Instead of bringing the food for other people to eat, some of them got this thing backwards. And so Paul was straightening them out about it. But they came together because, and they came together on Sunday night. They had to come together on Sunday night because it wasn't a day off. Sunday was not a day off then. It was a work day, first day of the week. They came together after the chores were done and their masters were put up and taken care of. And so the slaves and servants, and they didn't have anything to bring to the supper, but they didn't have anything to eat either, so they would come. But those who had the wherewithal to do so, who had the time and the, and the resources, they would bring the food. But instead of bringing it for those who were hungry, they started eating it themselves. And Paul said, you've got houses to eat and drink. Yeah, go with there. You don't have to do that. Bring it. This is for these people. But the point is, they were there. And they were taking care of each other. And they were making sure that they were solid and dependable. And that others could rely on them. Caring for one another was woven into their character. Believers helped one another. And, and I want to tell you this. As I look out over this audience, I see people who are steady. You are going to be here when nobody else will. You're going to be here when everybody else would like to go somewhere on Sunday because it's a day off and have fun. You'll be here. You'll be here not only because you know that's what the Bible teaches. You know that. You know that's the law. That's the law. The law says what? It doesn't tell you to come together. The law doesn't say you must come together on the first day of the week. But you're here because that's what happened. That's what the church did. And that's what you think should be done because that's how you come together to edify one another. You'll be here because of that. And you'll, you'll be here and somebody can reach out on the aisle next to you and touch you and say, they're here. You'll get the confidence and the courage to continue on. People will see you standing tall, see you standing firm. I believe that's what Paul was, or what John was talking about in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, when he talked about the church at Philadelphia. And he said, Some of you will be pillars in the church of the Lord. Pillars. Those who hold everything up, people who hold it up. You know, I know when I come here to assemble, I know I have great confidence. I know who will be here and who won't. And you do too. And you will know whether you'll be here or not. That's why we gather, because it's our character. Now, the last thing I want to say is this. In the book of Matthew chapter 25, beginning verse 31, there's a judgment scene set. And in that judgment scene, the, uh, the writer, or Jesus is saying, that uh, some, some will, uh, will visit me. I, I was sick and in prison, you came and visited me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. They said, when did we see that? And he said, when you did it to one of these least of the little ones. When you did it to my brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's what he's saying. To those who, who had, who had uh, purchased with his blood. He said, because you did it to them. Now the reason why you help someone who is sick. Now James said it this way. And sometimes we, we revert back to that and we shouldn't. 
James said, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Faith without works is dead, he said. So he talks about the fact of the demonstration of faith. That's not what we're talking about. This text is talking about the demonstration of character. Of character. These people Jesus was talking about would see someone hungry and would feed them. Not because they were afraid they would go to hell if they didn't. They fed them because that's who they are. They visited them in prison because that's who they are. That's their character. They clothed the naked because that's who they are. Right? That's what we're talking about. We know God because we know who He is. He is who we know Him to be because we know who Jesus is and we know His character. And we know the character of those who commit their lives to Jesus Christ. We know that. God help you stand tall for the Lord and exemplifies that character that that you have. You, you have the character. That's why you're here. You have the character. And it won't be long. Other people will come along and say, well, John's there. I, I, he'll be there. I, I'm going to go. Peter will be there. I'm going to go. I'll be there. Paul will be there. I'm going to be there. We're, 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 we're uh, at the end of a crisis and maybe starting another one. I don't know about this COVID stuff. We may be going through it again. I don't know. We're, we're struggling. We're struggling to hold together and keep a number, keep our number up and, and raise that number again. But more than anything else, we're struggling to make sure that none of us perish. That we don't fall by the wayside and, and just drift off and we're gone. We don't want that. What we need is character, people with character of Christ that stands. We're going to be who we are because of Jesus. God is who he is and Jesus showed him who he is. Who, we, who he is, showed us who he is. And we should be showing who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. God help us do that. We can, we can sing this song of invitation.